Hello, everybody. This is Samantha, and you're listening to the Deep End Podcast, the show that provides you with juicy relationships, sexual and personal development tips, a podcast for deep thinkers and feelers who love personal growth and want to experience healthy relationships. Today, I have a very special guest, and we're doing the second part of this two-part series conversation, which may lead into the third. We don't know yet, but we're going to find out, and that's the magical mysticism of the energy that we are culminating in this moment. And this person is Daniel Mulroney, mischievous, mischievous mage. And I just want to welcome him with a very delightful introduction in case you have the first one and missed the first one. So here we are. The pursuit of wonder, freedom and play has always been at the forefront of what drives Daniel's curiosity for unraveling the mysteries of life's potential. Daniel was first introduced to breathwork, yoga and qigong and meditation through his early Kung Fu fighting and Tai Chi training. The words from his Sifu, Kung Fu, Kung Fu meditation, make you all sparks something that continues to burn to this day. He's come to appreciate the mischief of the cosmos and to tread with the skip of divine madness in his step, more passionate than ever about educating people on the true essence of yoga, tantra, and these beautiful technologies we weave together in this mysterious phenomena we call bring everything to the park. Welcome, Daniel. Samantha, darling, it's it's wonderful to meet your acquaintance once again. It has been so long since we've pondered the universal mysteries. And indeed, everyone will know if you are watching the video that since we both have glasses on, we actually have double monocles. Some would say that they are glasses, but indeed we say that we are so wise and ponderous that we need two monocles each. And indeed, we will make the most of said monocles for this podcast if you're not watching the video oh dear you are missing out indeed and for you people of the year 2022 this is what we call big dick energy with the (laughs) this is what we call not enough sleep not enough food and and approaching four hours of just tangents and weird and wonderful conversations about all the things so um yeah yeah, yeah. you get to experience us at our uh, approaching peak weirdness mm-hmm. I, I would, would say hmm. yeah, yeah we've had a really delightful afternoon conversing <laughs> and um having conversations and talking about all the mysteries of life and um it's it's great because the, the conversation started off with like 30, 30 to 40 minutes of just talking before we even hit record. And you were like, oh, feel free to jump in. And like, if you disagree with me, by all means, please do it. And I'm like still waiting for that moment. 
Mm. Um, we have very similar perspectives, which is, you know, it's great. That's great. Um, but it's also nice because you you have different opinion, like different wisdoms and knowledge that have uh, been quite educational for me. So thank you for sharing everything that you have thus far. And now we're on to the second part of this conversation. Indeed. So, um, yeah, so for those who haven't listened to the first half, definitely recommend. Um, but yeah, I think what we wanted to do was just cover a bit more of the relating side of the spectrum because we were having some really interesting I'm very like I don't even know how we started diving so quickly into it it's like hi I'm Daniel hi I'm Sam and then boom like within a few minutes we were talking about uh past relationships um our experience in different in industries I'm not sure how okay you are talking about um certain things of like that but um yeah I I have a background in okay so where do I where do I start so mm. I have had many different dynamics of relationships Mm -hmm. um, I did uh, through high school mainly have like classical uh, orthodox relationships, um, monogamy uh, essentially. And then after a while, I just found that I didn't like a lot of the dynamics of that in mainly because I, what we were talking about earlier, where people feel like once you end, that's it, you lose a friendship as well, which I understand why. Mm. Um, but yeah, I wanted to try something different. And so I was just, I didn't even have the term open relating, um, when I started doing or, or polyamory or any of that sort of stuff. I just essentially said to people up front, I was like, I don't want a relationship. I just want to stay single, but I still obviously want to, um, you know, hang out and have a sexual relationship. And they're like, oh, so like no strings attached and no emotions. I was like, uh, no, I don't think like I want the no emotions thing. I was like, one, I don't know if I'm capable of doing that. But two, like, where's the fun in not having emotions? It's like, you know, who wants emotionless sex, really? Like, um, I don't know. It, it, mm. The better sex I've had has been emotionful. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it's just like the other shadow aspects of that. So yeah, I started doing some very immature, um, very uh inefficient open relating uh which turned into uh yeah pretty not so great experiences in that like uh, we all go through actually... it sorry, sorry? I, I was just gonna say we all go through it when we're learning what open relating is like we all make our mistakes but yeah go on yeah I mean like so one of my first main so I had a a girl that I was dating um for about a year and we were both very competitive um, and very, very similar personalities, but we clashed in a lot of ways. Um, and so basically we, <laughs> I mean, when I had a date, she would line up a date on the same night. Uh, we would share uh, pictures of like, you know, when we we're meeting up, I'd be like, oh, I'm seeing this girl. And she's like, oh, I'm seeing this guy. And, you know, trying to obviously find the best looking photo of them to try to be like, hey, I'm getting like these good looking people. Um, and ah. like we had like the sex was amazing like the friendship of it was amazing um, you know we'd hang out and play like we like Mario party and stuff like that um, mm. one second and then be like yeah having sex on the couch the next night it was it was great but the immaturity around how to express what we needed at the time the immaturity around having to feel like 
having to line up a date on the same night just to feel uh, like we were solid in our own being, I guess. Mm. Um, where like, you know, I look at it now, I was like, wow, that's stupid, you know, to think that I needed to feel good about myself by having like a date on the same night. But at the time it was, it, that was important. If I did, if she had a date on the same night, uh, on a night that I didn't, and I was spending it at home, I would negative self-talk myself. I'd be like, you're a loser. You're sitting home at like watching TV or you just, you know, you're sitting at home while, mm. while she's out having a date or having sex with someone else. You need to prove that you're not a loser by lining up a date with a gorgeous girl on the same night. So you can tell her, it's just like, yeah, yeah, the opposite of what I'd be doing these days. But um, yeah. I've done that too. That's was my first open relating experience, and I wasn't really keen for it at the time. We were going through a breakup. It was like a four month breakup. We were on a break, and all these sort of things happened. And um, yeah, I was like, yeah, go, go do whatever you want. I want to do whatever I want. And then I was really interested. And then when I found out he'd been with somebody, I'm like, right. Who wants to fuck? Like I just went, went, I yeah. went for it, and it was so emotionless, and it was so crappy. It was so emotionless. So I fully resonate with that, that yeah. egotistical part. That's like, you know, Till Swan actually talks about this. I, I, it was really cool. She's like, there's the part of us that is vulnerable, and then there's a part of us that wants to protect that vulnerability. Yeah. And I really love that because it was like, I've, I, and you know, you come back to those moments. It's like, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Definitely. That's what it sounds like you were doing. Yeah. Protecting that vulnerable part of you. Yeah. And like in reality, because I've really unpacked why I wanted to do open relating and I did it on and off for years. Um, mm. And most recently, I've just I've just come out or I'm in the process of coming out of a monogamous, monogamous relationship for of about two and a half years. And yeah, I'm, I'm again, it's a good time to talk about this because I'm really evaluating what I want out of a relationship. And to be honest, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of, yeah, feel like I should have it more figured out by now. And, and I'm getting there. But mm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like why I do things, what I value. And yeah, I've noticed that I, I definitely value the friendship mm. aspect of relationships. Um, and I need the intellectual stimulation and conversation. Mm. Um, because I, I feel like that makes people more attractive, but well, to me, I mean, um, but yeah, in regards to the way that I was doing it, um, like you said, it was similar. I wasn't having the emotional connection as much with the people that were trying to think of a nice way to say it. I don't want to say on the side, like I didn't care about them because I'm actually still good friends with some of them. Um, But yeah, I was doing it to make myself feel better about her sleeping with other people Mm. um and out of out of those many other connections that i had i probably only genuinely wanted to spend time with uh sounds bad i'm just trying to trying to be careful how i word it but Uh, it's okay though because like the people that you were maybe relating with were aware that you had a primary partner i'm assuming so it's like you're going to take priority of your primary partners to the connection you have with your primary partner because that is the strongest, because that is the person that you are feeling deeply for. Yeah. So it's not a matter of like better or worse or anything like that, but I'm just hearing that there's a reverence for that connection that you have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just a bit more aware these days of why I'm doing certain things. Um, mm. And yeah, for me, 
these days it's more about yeah having really really good connections with people and uh yeah knowing what to do with that and how it might progress and um yeah so like just to backtrack to that situation um if i was to rewind which i have no regrets it's all made me who i am but in that situation how i would respond differently now is um i have other practices that make me would make me feel fine about that person being with someone else on the same day that i'm not um and that instead of going out and sleeping with random mm. people um or just you know sleeping with a lot of different people at once um creating a couple or a few good close connections and yeah using other method methods to um i don't feel like i'm explaining this as well as i intended okay so do i want to tell you what i'm picking up i'm picking up i think i'm picking up what you're putting down yeah and what i'm picking up is that we you have gone through this experience in an unconscious way where you have done things yeah you can reflect back on your thought process at the time which was tit for tat i need to like have some kind of like restore some balance here otherwise if there's no just there's no justice of like me feeling like i'm value like looking for that validation that you're not getting from your relationships or seeking it elsewhere from somebody else and, and outsourcing that because you can't sit in the dis you couldn't sit in the discomfort of being alone without being alone, thinking about your partner being with somebody else, what you made that mean about you as a person. I'm shit. I'm can't remember the words that you used, but it was like I'm a loser or something like that. Yeah. So you're sitting in the self-loathing. And because you were unable to change or transmute the way you were feeling, yeah. you instead chose to numb out and look for pleasure, which is oh. a yeah what was going on now that you're aware of the unconscious patterns of behavior that led to unfulfillment which is what you would have felt when you were having those sexual exchanges i'm assuming like Mm. leaving feeling like oh this wasn't actually what i really needed and wanted exploring that thread and exploring why and i think the introspection has led you down to this more conscious way of relating where you have transmuted that and you're like oh okay cool this 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 person is doing this thing that has absolutely nothing to do with me and I no longer take it personally and I can sit in the stillness of this spaciousness that we have and I can be celebrating them for making love with somebody else and know that it doesn't reflect on our connection our connection is just as solid and strong because I'm solid and strong in who I am and trust and know that you know, whatever we do, we do like completely letting go of, of control is what I'm projecting because this is what I feel has been my journey. So yeah. Tell, yeah. Yeah. Tell me if I'm wrong or right. Like does that feel accurate no, that, for you? Yeah, that yeah. lands really yeah, really well. Yeah, because I remember a conversation I had with this particular uh girl towards the end of it as we were parting ways. Um she basically just said she's like, I like I've just wanted to be with you like and only you for quite a while now but I also want to have my freedom but I haven't actually wanted to see anyone else really and I was like yeah I kind of felt the same and and we both kind of like laughed and we we're like wow if we had only really communicated that then mm-hmm. uh that would have fixed everything so that was a good learning experience and I look back at it now and I don't think we were I don't think we were uh compatible in a lot of ways mm-hmm. so I'm very glad that it's all happened it's all been a learning experience 
Um, but it's interesting to look back on now. That's how I really approach things um, as best I can to communicate what I'm wanting and how that's shifting and changing. And yeah, just to really like be honest about uh, where I'm at. And that's also difficult because I've also had not so great feedback from that in that like I'd be completely honest and transparent uh, about where I'm at in regards to relationships, open relating and things. And I, I remember like this one girl I dated just stated to me bluntly because she was like, oh, I'm, I was like, oh, do you want to hang out tomorrow night? And she's like, oh, I, I can't. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, what are you up to? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm catching up with another guy. And I was like, oh, that's all good. Like, do you want to tell me about him? Like, have you been seeing him long? And I was like, so comfortable because I was like, I'd love to talk about it. And she's like, I don't feel comfortable talking to you about this. This is weird. And I'm like, oh, why? And she's like, I'm not used to this. And she's like, wow. why can't you be like all the other guys and just pretend that I'm the only one that you're seeing when I really know you're not. And it was, it was a really interesting conversation because she essentially was saying in a, in a half joking way that she didn't want to know, but then people want honesty, right? So like we've, I guess the theme of our entire uh, conversations today has been like humans are very complicated, weird beings. Like we say we want honesty, but then we like, actually, no, I don't want to know. And then it's like, and, and that's why I think just, just having compassion and having, mm. yeah. And like that non-dual approach being like, there is no right or wrong. It's, it's a constant dance in trying to mm. figure out what we actually want because yeah, sometimes we like, we say we want this, but then we get it. And it's like, Oh no, I like, I want something slightly different. Um, and yeah, communicating that, I guess, mm. important. Uh, and it's tricky. <laughs> so yeah, I don't, uh, yeah. Yeah, you, you are very brave to be stepping into the relationship cultivation sector because even though I guess like from what I what I do, I'm obviously trying to uh, give humans tools to to human better. And that mm -hmm. a big part of that is relationships. But um, because I don't label myself as such, I don't have to like, yeah, but um it's yeah lot. it's just been interesting chatting with you so far about uh all the different pieces and um yeah i'd love to know your perspective and experience in, in this sort of stuff if you'd be willing to share as well yeah i mean like i've really struggled to be met with the communication piece because it's something that i really value in in terms of the, the transparency of it and um i'm noticing like somebody that i am like how much detail do I give you because I am being mindful of this person I'm 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 like I notice the people that I've related with who don't have necessarily the confidence or the skills to communicate about exactly what they're thinking and feeling what I feel is like the unspoken words. I can feel the energetics. I can feel the walls and I can feel the parts of somebody who is just not being fully expressed. And that doesn't yeah. feel safe because I can feel their lack of safety. And I also feel their lack of trust in my ability to hold and be able to receive the truth. And then it's really like interesting actually, because it's not really anybody else's responsibility on whether or not I can handle the truth. And it's also not my responsibility on whether or not they can handle the truth. And what I feel I'm really strongly opinionated on is like 
this filtering of the truth and why do we do it and why is it that like maybe the reason why we're not able to handle the truth is because we are like basically coddling each other and you know trying to use non-violent communication and hmm. you know tiptoe around everybody's sensitivities and f- feelings but it's like you can take it or leave it like you can take my opinion or you can leave it but when it comes to the space of open relating like the whole point and purpose of being in a um open space is for that like the word open for me means to be open and that is to communicate everything and like that's what creates intimacy because intimacy is about being honest and being vulnerable and being able to share you know like for example if I was if I've been met with this with an ex-partner who was like I don't want to know and I also don't want to share and I'm like yeah but you know what happens for me is that my intuition is so so sensitive Mm. you don't need to tell me that you've had sex with that somebody I can feel it from across the world I just know what is not being said is being set up here in my mind and the stories that I'm creating are so far from the truth what it is creating within me is a sense of dis-ease and unease of like I want to be in control in some ways because the control piece for me is like about understanding what's going on Mm. instead of my mind being in control and trying to figure it out and be threatened by the potential which is a natural apparently biological response for a woman in particular like to be threatened by an emotional threat or connection with a woman and when when if he was to share that with me and be like hey look you know I had an incredible connection but it wasn't this or it was this or even if there was an emotional connection like you know that's on me to to wear but I agree with you in that I feel there's so much you know like the other thing is if I was to have a conversation with somebody now and the what I'm what I really value is monogamish kind of dynamics Mm, you know where there's that primary partnership and then you can have the conversation and then it's like you you have you respect each other enough to be like hey I met this person today had a really solid attraction and then I can share from a place of, yeah, I'm actually feeling quite tender today and sensitive or, oh, hey, I'm actually feeling really like supportive and celebrate and celebrating you in that and navigating from that respect and honoring of each other's feelings in that space and not trying to control each other. But am I making sense? I feel like I've just said the same thing three times. No, 100%. (laughs) I mean, like, even if you did say the same thing three times, like you said it in three ways, three different ways to like Mm. expand upon it, which we were talking about is a really you know a good show that someone is embodying the thing that they're talking about that you can actually mm-hmm. explain it in different ways um but no 100% I know what you mean and like so mm-hmm. earlier before we started the first podcast we were chatting about yeah communication and how sometimes that can actually just release the charge yeah. uh, so example that I, w- I I gave to you was um in a relationship uh I had where early on in the relationship she you know she hasn't had met much, like really much experience in relationships and she was attracted to someone she worked with um mm. and actually voiced it to me and uh you know was quite like emotional about it and felt a lot of guilt and shame around it but when I just first voice that it's really normal to have that that pretty much mm. everyone has that on like so, you know so often um 
and that yeah and then asking her like what she wanted to do with that so like do you just want to see what happens do you want to like uh do you want to go explore that um you know and just just saying where, where do you want to go from here and just holding space for that and that released a lot of the charge in that mm. um, the initial you know attraction now that she had the space if she wanted to to explore it um and taking the guilt and the shame away from it being a bad thing ended up like fizzling out and she's like no actually i realized because like he embodies this uh, these aspects that uh from it like a young age i've kind of idolized um and now that the charge is gone and it's not taboo and it's not forbidden i i don't actually have a desire to pursue that and that that yeah. was it like and that, that was fine but it built so much more uh trust um and love between us because yeah we knew that we could communicate in a safe in a safe way mm. uh not only not be judged but also like yeah be supported in in that and like you you voiced really early on i don't know if it was on a podcast or just our kind of personal chats and podcasts have blended in together but you said you you never want to be responsible for limiting mm. people from experiencing life and i i'm in a similar boat is like if so i want my partner or you know whatever like my lovers to experience like whatever they want out of life and you know i want to support them in that um in the ways that i can and if and if i feel i can't if it really like comes down to something like if a partner wants to have a 15th some you know with 14 other guys or something like that i'd be like you know what can we start with one and like and then maybe work <laughs> up i'd be yeah. like i don't know if i could handle like 14 other guys right now like that's mm. probably past my limits mm. um you know what i mean like i know that's like like a funny example but like being like, I, I can't give you that yet, but what I can offer you is this, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And this is so interesting. I was actually at a Enlightenment in the Bedroom in the Sunny Coast once, and there was a guy there talking about open relating and what his partner have agreed on is just this openness of it, of like being open to whatever possibility. And he had this attraction for this woman, went out for a coffee with her, figured that there wasn't actually a sexual attraction there they've become best friends and now she's best friends with the couple and they're just he's like I can't imagine life without her and she's just such an important aspect of of this of his life and I'm like wow you know like imagine if we stuck with that taboo or that um you know, I just see marriages and I see people like, oh, you cannot befriend the opposite sex because then, you know, that's that's not culturally acceptable, socially acceptable. It's not. What is that? You know, where does that belief system come from? And this is you. Yeah, we were going to touch on dual, dualism. And I'm really curious about what what you don't you don't believe in in dualism. What? what it's tricky because i know exactly what you're trying to say um uh but uh, i think feel, feel like we need because and not everyone is obviously going to like be able to read uh our like scorpio moon uh, yeah like kind of half half conversation type thing um can you please finish my <laughs> sentence for me what am i trying to ask you well, um yeah i guess like uh yeah because i don't even no... know what i'm trying to ask you <laughs> But you, you know what I'm trying to ask you because I, I think I know. Yeah, yeah, like there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just like figuring out what works for you and different circumstances and like, mm. and you, everyone changes and grows. Like, yeah. 
that's the thing as well. I think, you know, the problem is we, we agree to a certain arrangement in relationship and people expect that to last forever. But um, yeah, it's like the only constant is change and, and yeah, it's just yeah. people are afraid to communicate that they've changed or people are afraid of other people changing. There is something else I was going to touch on, but I've forgotten now. It'll come back later, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, it was about, about open relating or dualistic, the dualistic stuff. Something, stuff. some somewhere in between the two. Somewhere in between the two, okay. Yeah. Um, I was telling you about how they became lifelong friends and all the things around that. It will come back. You know when it will come back? When you stop thinking about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's actually um, something I want to touch on as well. Like how you were saying that you could just feel like maybe, you know, on the other side of the world when they were ex experimenting with, um, you know, if they were with someone else sexually or something. So there's a couple of things there. One, I want to touch on something and then I've got a question to ask you. So the thing I want to touch on is that I, lo I love psychology as well. And I think it's, it brings so much compassion to the human experience when we understand biologically, like how we operate. Mm. And there's actually a really good book called Buddha's Brain, which mm. uh, I highly recommend everyone reading. But basically, it's a book on it's like neuroling, uh, like uh, neurolinguistics and neuroscience, and um, there's one more other big, uh, important sounding word that I'm missing. But anyway, neuro stuff, brain stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. We've, we've already been four hours of talking. I, I'm gonna have to like simplify yeah. my language here because that's my, okay. We have a lack um, of sleep as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But essentially, what it's saying is one of the main points it makes is that humans evolutionary evolutionarily have grown to survive not to like thrive in a way right mm -hmm. and so an example they make is if there's an, an an apple tree with apples and you're hungry you want to eat the apples and like a tiger underneath that tree if we were designed to uh ha half focused on positive and half focus on negative like 50 50 percent each half of us would die right because we were like half of us like i want i'm gonna go for the apple everything will be fine <laughs> I, i've got the universe to back me up Ooh, <laughs> I, I, I love this. this point that you're making and it's then like bursting such a paradigm for me thank you and then but the people who focused on the negative be like i'm really hungry and i love apples but tiger bad i'm gonna focus on the negative they survive right and Ooh. so the p and not only that like but the survivors all have an inbuilt focus on the negative so all the all the positive thinkers are dead right because yeah. they focus on the apple and so evolutionarily we've we've learned to focus and they say it's about five to one right so for every five for every um five yeah five <laughs> i'm losing it five positive things equals one negative thing right so in a relationship for example i could do five amazing beautiful positive things right and that could be cancelled out instantly by doing one negative thing because you don't give a shit about all these five positive things it's yeah. that one negative thing but we are we are literally wired to to focus on that because it has meant our survival but now we don't need to survive i mean we do obviously need to survive it's not those basic sort of yeah yeah and so we're like um we're seeing you know allegorical metaphorical lion uh, tigers all the time 
and our alarm system goes off all the time uh, because we're focused on the negative. Mm. And so that's why we negatively self-talk, we overanalyze because the mind is just trying to protect us. And as soon as we realize that, one, we can be aware of it and realize that just because we don't like this person doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means they've maybe done one thing that has set our alarm system off. Um, and we should also take, take note of the positive things that they've done to balance it out, but also have compassion for yourself that if you are in a bad mood, if you're negative self-talking, if you're overanalyzing and overthinking things, that is not, does, everyone does it. We're all wired mm. to focus on the negative. And when do we, when do we do more, this more than not when we're in our mind, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, the why I wanted to voice this is I'm in a similar boat. I would rather know because I, I guarantee that whatever you tell me is not going to be as bad as the crazy scenarios that my mind would construct. Oh, yeah. I love this full circle that we're coming so, to. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, you know, yeah, it, it's probably not going to, if I love you, it's probably not going to feel great to know that you have slept with someone else and you have strong feelings for them. But I guarantee like the reality of things is, is going to be better than like all the possibilities that my mind makes up. And also it gets me out of my head because like most of the time we're in our head, we're unhappy. Go for it. <laughs> this is the thing about the mind right that I that you're touching on around like monogamy where does that come from because when our our closest you know our closest what is it called relative like yes um, thank you <laughs> <laughs> She's talking about <laughs> yeah, our closest like uh monkey, yeah, the bonobos, yeah, yada yada. Um, yeah, and even in some in some civilizations around Australia, I mean around Australia, yeah, around the world, there are still societies and still tribes that do not practice monogamy. They practice polyamory. Jealousy, where does jealousy come from? Where did I get the belief system that if you cheat on me or have sex with somebody else or if you are, you know, flirting with somebody else, that it's wrong and it's bad and you shouldn't do that and therefore my feelings get hurt? Is this something that I would naturally feel to say I grew up in a different society or with a different belief system that, like, your flirting was okay and that you having sex with somebody else was okay? Would I still feel jealousy? Would I still feel hurt? So I'm deeply curious about that. We, I don't know. I'm not ever going to know because I've not had that life. But is it like, is jealousy taught or is it intrinsic? Yeah, well, that's, that's the thing. So I would say both. Um, so there's like different ways to explain it. One is like nature versus nurture, you know, so nature would say mm. we're inherently biologically designed to respond to this kind of stimuli but then nurture is our conditioning and our like societal uh values and things like that and like we're taught you know even like disney has like fucked us all up because you know disney has showed that like you have your one soulmate and then that's it and everything's beautiful but you never get to see what happens after you know they get no. together you never get to see like the you know the ups and downs and the happily ever after yeah exactly yeah I um, still wonder what happened in the notebook. I'm like, how the fuck did they get from there to there? Like what happened? <laughs> that was yeah, like. <laughs> exactly. yeah. um, and, and also it, it's, 
um, I've heard it called prescriptive and descriptive, right? Mm. Um, and so for, we and uh, like we can use this in like we use this in tantra to talk about installing uh, concepts into the body and like specifically chakras, right? And so um, prescriptive is I give you an expectation of what you're going to experience, right? Prescriptive. I prescribe what you're going to experience. Whereas descriptive is you have the experience first and then you describe what it's like, okay? So for, for example, um, I, I might say that you're going to, um, you know, experience this uh, sensation at your like sternum area uh, when you feel like an emotional or heart opening connection with someone and you'll notice this this emanation of like green glow or whatever and just like start stacking all these experiences on top of stuff right whereas like you if i didn't tell you any of that would you have had that experience and so the chakras are a good example because they're based on biological experiences so anyone who has had a sexual experience will probably say that you might get an experience around the lower part of the body around the genital area or even uh there's like nerves connected but below the belly and stuff like that they, that kind mm. of area um you might get like a gut feeling you know or mm. you might experience something in your womb space whereas like this like unexplainable phenomena or in a relationship when you feel love you might feel this opening and this expansion in your chest or you may feel like in heartbreak a complete contraction um you may feel restriction in the throat you may feel when you're really focused and, and concentrating on something you may even like furrow your brows and stuff and so these are all like actual phenomena that we all experience whether or not we like talk about chakras or know of chakras right but then the prescriptive is saying oh well that's associated with this it's it's colored red it's associated with this etc cetera, etc cetera. so i feel like it's both so just to, to circle back to jealousy wow. I feel like there, you know, it makes sense that there's a biological reason that we respond to seeing our partner with someone else because, you know, perpetuating the species, right? That makes sense that like, if, if the mate mm -hmm. that I'm looking to procreate with wants to procreate with someone else, I have less chance of, you know, spreading my, DNA, like of like, you know, yeah. spreading my seed, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that does make sense, but also it depends how you're nurtured and grown up. If if everyone tells you that you're only supposed to be with one person and that if you if you, you know, which is what we're often told in, in modern day society, and that if we're seeing multiple people at all or at once, that we're a bad person, that we're immature, that we're this, we're that that like stacks on top. So I think it's a mix of both. Like there, there definitely is like biological responses and I, I, I can't answer why that is. Like I'm sure someone's looked into it. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is about our conditioning because we're able to change it. Like I, I have had honest experiences where I've been really more, more happy and supportive for, my, for a partner than jealous and hurt. I mean, mm. I, I also still felt the jealous and hurt to a certain extent i'm not going to like say that it was all bliss like a lot of people do but like yeah i like i just felt absolute like love and bliss like maybe i haven't mm. experienced uh mm. i guess yeah 
I'm always like mindful of the tiny little bit that's there, the tiny bit of yin and the yang, I guess. Yeah, there's subtleties. There's definitely subtleties. It's just whether or not we run away with the story and, you know, the meaning making of like the feeling and the sensations. And I think that's what happens is that like, we do feel that maybe subtle stomach drop or the turn, the, the knots in the tummy or the butterflies or that tension in the chest. And then all of a sudden it's like, of course that trauma is a whole different topic, but like, mm the way the the mind responds to the sensations in the body is to create meaning and usually the meaning is either like I feel like I've done a lot of work on the mind like I've I've kind of gone the opposite way of like all the embodiment practitioners that are out there I've I've focused a lot of mastering my mind specifically in 2020 like that was because I noticed that my mind has causes a physiological response so I I really want to like master that I'm not a master but um I will be and (laughs) and I notice that if I have a story or a narrative Mm. and somebody does something and then my body responds and then I basically am like, oh, yep, there's the evidence of this story. I make the assumptions and the meaning yeah. making and all the things based on how I'm feeling rather than just sitting with the discomfort and not actually truly knowing what somebody's intentions were or what the, the thing was. But I don't know if I'm making sense. I'm at that point now of like, yeah. Definitely. No, I can finish <laughs> the sentence if you want. Like, for what <laughs> I understand what you're saying is like similar to the concept of, um, uh, confirmation bias where yeah like, and it, it links it links back to what we were talking about right so you know you might have one okay you might meet a guy um or meet a partner or meet anyone really like uh, that reminds you of a past experience with another partner and you know in the back of your mind that trauma is kind of like acting up and being like alarm system like warning mm-hmm. red flag there's like something about this that doesn't feel right and it could literally just be because they have the same hair or the same like you know looking tattoos or the same looking build as someone else or the same height right um and but then up up to that point everything is like taught you otherwise so it's like positive thing positive thing and you're like actually no this is fine like they're nothing like this person but then it doesn't matter about all the like five positive things they've done they do one thing that like is like anywhere near what the behavior of that other person was and instantly the alarm system go off like i knew it i knew it all along um i've got to end this before it like you know and okay you may you may be right um but you know like you've got to be careful because yeah that's like confirmation bias it's like you wanted to believe something and you were looking for it it's like Mm. you know when people get into different theories and stuff on like you know even conspiracy theories and stuff like that Uh, that's another whole rabbit hole to get into but like basically it's the same (laughs) process is you want to believe something and so you're going to focus on the things that support that and you can do that with anything like even all this like you know some scientific research it's like yeah we found one thing that supports our um you know our uh the result we were looking for we're not going to mention the 50 other things that reflected the opposite of this we're just going to focus on the one experiment like yes 99 of these experiments 
showed that we are wrong, but we found one that might correlate that we're right. So we're just mm. going to focus on that, not mention the other 99. Mm. I don't know if that's making sense. Um, no, it is. It is making sense. It's yeah. making and so I'm sense. not, it's tricky because like, I never want anyone, I, I never want to tell anyone to not trust their gut or their intuition. Um, but it's like, when are you like, but what does that even mean? Like what mm. part of you is your intuition? And you might say, it's a part of me that knows better, that is wiser than me. Okay, what does that look like? Um, you know, what's the difference between making a good and wise decision and just trying to protect yourself, which is what your like your body is doing in those situations, the alarm system. And that there's nothing wrong with wanting to protect yourself. Like that is perfectly valid and healthy um, and beneficial in a lot of ways. But um, you also might be missing out on a lot of, things um because of it so it's just it's just trying to find the balance like you know yeah i resonate with that a lot and i'm hearing you and it's interesting because it's like i'm noticing when you're sharing about when i'm curious about what the scenario is um and i don't want to like just using an example of a heterosexual relationship because it's what i know best women tend to criticize men quite frequently because they're comparing them to the perfect person which is the perfect version of a woman so something mm. that Alison Armstrong has studied extensively and so criticism so I really resonate with that I've seen that in myself from the past of relating with men whether it's platonic or romantic of that criticism of like focusing on the one thing that they've done wrong is this a human thing or like what is this 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 statistic about the five one yeah i mean um uh, yeah yeah it's a human thing yeah it's like a, it's a it's a human like thing neurological okay. uh yeah it's a, it's yeah. an estimate it's like a rough estimate um, yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah like it's it's a thing it's a proven thing um that they've studied but i was yeah. uh what, what was i gonna say um i just missed out what i was gonna say there's two things i was gonna say i'll i'll see if i can remember the other thing but um the one thing that I was going to mention is something that's happened to me recently that is like the, oh no, I'll answer your one first. Cool. I just, it just came back. So, so many different pathways. I'm hopefully not going to forget the other one. Um, but yeah, what you were saying is like, uh, like unrealistic expectations. Right. Um, and so we do that in this a lot of ways. So in, in my way that I've actually done this is towards um, older men um, in that. So I grew up without a father. So my, my dad left when I was five years old. And so I didn't have, and like, I did have like a temporary stepdad, but he was like quite an alcoholic and just not a great experience. And so I started looking to storybooks, fantasy novels, video games, movies for uh, my idea of the perfect uh, man to be, to look up to. It's like, who do I, who do I, what archetypal ideas, what kind of man do I want to be? What do I want to look up to? And so like video game characters, you know, mythic characters are great, but they're not realistic. And so I was holding, um, whether it was someone that my mum was dating or even like older men and mentors, I have unrealistic expectations of what, as soon as, as soon as a, like a, a mentor based man or, or a man who I would give authority to would show a negative aspect of themselves, my alarm system would go off. Like this person's not like the person I want to learn from. This person's not like a, a master this person's not a jedi kind of thing it's like it's like no that's everyone's human everyone's got their faults doesn't matter how good they are at uh, uh, you know so i've really had to 
work on my relationship with men um, in that I have held them to unrealistic expectations um, in that sort of aspect. Oh, like the brother wound in so brother, many yeah. ways. The brother yeah, wound. It like, yeah wow. it showed up more in like a fatherhood mental wound. Um, of course, but yeah. But I've been working through that and I, I was like, oh, cool, I'm done. But no, it's actually also, like you said, showing up in brotherhood wounds now, that, um, which is what I'm working on currently, if I'm honest. Oh, my God. I'm working on the sisterhood wound at the moment. And I, I <laughs> resonate with the father wound in different ways, though, because it's like, you know, the absence of my dad who left when I was four and well, they separated when I was four. He wasn't really a great husband. And um, basically my mum met this guy, my stepdad, when I was six and then they remarried and then they separated when I was 18. But basically there was, he wasn't a great, like he was not a great father, my stepdad. Yeah. But I noticed how if any, if I date a guy that reminds me of my stepdad, I'm just like, Nah. And he was quite um, just really like, I don't, I don't want to use the word nah, I'm not going to even say it, but it's, he, he, he had like quite an authority about him. But I noticed that mm. there's this like healing that needs to take place as well with that healing transmutation that needs to take place with that <laughs> um, because I have developed as a protective mechanism, a very solid disassociation strategy so if something happens in the relationship where I feel a sense of abandonment potentially taking place and I notice that I don't know actually it's really hard to tell because I I feel like I've since I became aware of my insecure attachment style I have worked and orientated towards a secure attachment so I'm like so sensitive to the subtleties in the relationship it's more so that I can feel when something's off and if something's mm. not communicated with me I disassociate and what my what I developed as a child was like pretend your life is a dream and one day you'll wake up and this will all go away and you'll be in your childhood home and I have full visions of it and I I would just wait that's how I'd like whenever my stepdad was being horrible and verbally abusive I would just like go to bed crying and be like, this is all a dream, this is all a dream. Mm. So now when things get tough in relationships, I have this sort of strategy where I'm like, I'm going to go traveling. This is it. I bought done, you know. I'm yeah. aware of it. I'm aware that that's my disassociative strategy. I'm aware of my avoidance strategy as well to protect myself. I can see, I can observe my mind, I can observe my body, I can be in that observation do I act on it? No, because I'm orientating myself towards secure and looking to that to rewind my nervous system. And I don't know how we got here. <laughs> how did we no, get definitely. here? Yeah, because oh, I, I was talking about my experience with um, like the fatherhood wound. And it's very connected because it's just yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's just realizing that the way that we respond is not necessarily because of the person who, who, who triggered it or set it off. Um, yeah you know yeah. that like for example like just to um mm. yeah to go on a similar tangent the the guy that was my stepdad so he used to drink bourbon all the time mm. and so like like the common thing would he'd like go out he'd come back in the middle of the night i'd hear him come out of the cab 
Um, and then he'd go and like basically yell at my mom and I'd have to go out there and calm mm -hmm. him down. Um, mm -hmm. And he used to smell of uh, just stink of bourbon. And so ever since then, like I remember once I like I was at a high school party and someone, some guy uh, I was talking to, I got a whiff of bourbon and I instantly, like my whole body went into like danger mode. And I was just like this guy, like I was just watching him. I was like getting ready to fight or something like that. Cause my whole, my whole body Trauma. was in, like, yeah. And so, and I didn't realize what was going on. I just, I was like, there's like, this guy's bad news. Mm. And that kept that I eventually became aware of it. And cause I, I went to try to be, drink bourbon once and I was like, I can't drink this. And yeah. And so I, that's actually like a, a weird thing that I had to work through is like getting comfortable with the smell of bourbon and not reacting in a, like a, mm. like a survival kind of trauma response from it. Um, and yeah, the, the, the smallest things can, can set us off. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I have the same thing with like throat clearing. There's this like throat clearing thing that some men do. It's like, this, and that reminds me of my stepdad. Mm. Um, and it's so interesting, these little subtle triggers and I think one of the points that you made about like the, the, the experience that you're exploring with the father wound and the brother wound is like where you look for that absence and the, um, yeah, you were like more so on the path of the mentor, whereas for me it's like in relationship, it's the emotionally unavailable guy. And so, like, our childhood gives us a lot of clues on our current relationship patterns of behavior, which is so important. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I feel like there's so many rabbit holes and I'm just being mindful of the time because we have spent <laughs> quite a lot of time. We have responsibilities. Yeah. Um, but I do want to, there was just the one point around the dualistic, you have an opinion about dual, you don't, subscribe to dualistic i'm just i'm i'm a better way to put it for me would be i'm i'm aware of the human desire to dualize things and what mm. i mean by that is to say that um one is better than the other yeah um, did like, we record this part of the conversation i don't know if we I did i don't know yeah I, i'm not sure um, yeah okay cool but, like another example, um, which is more relative to this. Okay, so, so people would say you're either straight or you're gay. And what does that mean? What does straight mean? Straight means you're heterosexual. You only want to have sexual experiences with people of the opposite sex. Um, and then gay is obviously the opposite of that. And mm. like, so duality would say you're either gay or straight. Whereas mm. non-duality, non-dualism would say that everyone's on a sliding spectrum, right? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And so like, yeah, yeah for example, you know, I haven't had a, like, I've never kissed a man. I've never had like a, like a full-on sexual experience. Like the closest would be like dancing closely and touching another man. Um, and so like, I, you know, people would say, okay, you're, you're in the straight category, but I was like, you know, some of my uh, female friends, like, oh, you just haven't met the right guy yet. You know, like, ah, it's like and, yeah, and who yeah. knows, like, like currently I haven't, but I don't know what's the fuse is going to hold. I might one day just meet a man who I, and I'm like, damn, I want to actually like, kiss kiss you or like you know something more and so to to push me further Ooh. across that spectrum right uh, this that's just an example but like it's seeing that in all areas of life um and saying and so finding instead of the right and the wrong it's like what is the concept here mm. um like yeah trying to find and so the concept there would be like your your sexual orientation and so mm -hmm. like finding 
what someone says about a situation, trying to find the polar opposite of that. Mm. And then like paradoxically, and that's why I was saying in the other one, all language is dualistic because in order to name something, it also makes it not something, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. So to say this is a cup means that it's not my hand. It means that it's not this table. It means that it's not the room around it. It is, it is a cup like it you know what I mean um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whereas yeah I don't know if that's making sense no it is making sense it's interesting because like I was having a conversation with my mom last week only just coming out about a woman that I have really strong feelings for and she was like um I don't understand because I, I I hadn't come out to her I'm pansexual is how I did, would if I had to use a label would be the best way to describe which is just fluid open and available to connect with energy and like honestly everyone I know who is really everyone who knows me is like well, she I do not have a type I do not have a type at all I'm not aesthetics is great but like I'm not that's not what I'm attracted to and um yeah I was telling my mom and like having that big conversation with her about somebody who yeah you know she knew I was bisexual, but she didn't know how serious it was. And then when she mm. met this woman and all the things, anyway, it's a long story, but basically she was like, I just don't get it. I understand straight people and I understand gay people, but I don't understand this like both worlds. And mm. I'm like, well, you, you don't have to understand it, <laughs> um, but it's legitimate. It's not like a confusion confusion thing or anything like that I'm legitimately attracted to both sexes and yeah. yeah I just think that there's it's interesting noticing how this programming plays out you know yeah yeah like humans are like a labeling machines we need to label something in order to feel comfortable with it because if we don't know how to label it and don't know how to understand it it's like scary it's like oh no what do I do with this like because yeah yeah and yeah like I think just having these conversations with people and trying to yeah and that's the thing paradoxes mm. um I think are the key uh, because if we can and that's mm. that's the the difference between intellectualizing something and feeling in your body from my perspective because you can't intellectualize a paradox mm. because like to intellectualize something means you need to like you need a word for it or you need a, whereas paradoxes are a feeling, um, you know, and if you don't know what a paradox is, a paradox is, is a statement that contradicts itself. So like a statement, like a paradox statement, um, an example would be, I am lying. So if I say to you, I am lying, then it means if I'm lying about lying, then I'm telling the truth. But if I'm telling the truth, then how am I lying? You know, it, it, yeah. it circles. It's like, a, it's a, it's a never ending circle. Yeah, 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 and some yeah. people hate paradoxes because like they're never ending. You can't, you, they don't stop. And, but you can, you can hold it in your body. And like mm. what we were talking about earlier, I don't know if it was on the podcast or not, but like if, <laughs> uh, the everything and nothing, right. So if, mm. you know, if, if nothing matters, then everything matters. If, mm. you know, um, I'm trying to think of the example we used. Well, the every, like art is both worthless and priceless all at once. Yeah, exactly. And some people are like, well, is it priceless, like infinitely valuable, or is it worth nothing? It's like depends on the person. Subjective, you know? and, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, like being able to hold paradoxes in your body, um, I think is a sign of like actually knowing and embodying something. Um, yeah. And that's when it like creates like this, like tan tangent machine, because like, you know, you're, and that's why I, when I start to see people talking like this, I'm like, oh yeah. Like they're pulling stuff out of their body. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, so like, you can yeah. see that sometimes where like they start to like trip over their words because their body is trying to talk like they're they're like letting the paradox run and then they're like trying to pull out words it's like it's kind of like this and and so some things I don't think you can say outright but you need to like talk around them like I don't know if you've seen those those artworks that they don't actually say that they they're intending and drawing a silhouette of of a woman right but they actually don't draw that they'll paint around it so initially like they're like they paint a splotch here and a splotch here and they're like what are they painting it's just like random splotches but eventually they paint everything but the silhouette and so at the end you have a silhouette do you know what i mean and so i, I feel like yeah. it's similar sometimes to explain a paradox or like a really innate concept because you can't actually say the thing, but you can say the things around it. So all that's left is like the outline of it, if that's making sense. Yes. It's like the <laughs> elephant in the room. It's what's not being said that gets. Oh, yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's, yeah. A, that's cool. I really like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's a, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to use that actually. Yeah. Cool. That's Great. <laughs> Which part? The elephant in the room or what's not being said? What's not being said. What's not yeah. being said. Yeah, the elephant in the room, I can kind of, I can see mm. as well, but I like the not being, the, the mm. yeah, reading between the lines kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, cool. I've never had paradox explained to me like that, but I feel like we live in one, you know, and it's like so interesting because I have, I have experiences and thoughts and feelings and emotions that are simultaneous. Like mm. there's a part of me that... That I don't even I there's just lots of parts of me um <laughs> and I'm like I'm a complicated I, being I'm a complicated we all are we all are um but yeah I feel like this is such an important conversation to have and it's at the end of the day my journey has been in not really like trying to change anything that is because these are our set of conditions we have these emotions these feelings these reactions we've got anger for a reason jealousy shame guilt as we mentioned on the first podcast we have all these things these conditions um where I what I believe is like I have this map for example with my clients that I do work with it's called the relationship map and it's like archetypally just sort of like looks at the characteristics of the immature and the mature masculine and feminine mm. archetypes and I'm like, this is just giving you awareness of like, you know, specific characteristics and traits of behavior. So you can kind of map out where you're, you're, where you sit. Are you in an immature behavior or a mature behavior? Are you even aware that there is a mature way to behave? And therefore with this aware, expanded awareness, you now have more possibility, more choice, which may yield a different result. And I think that 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 in itself is where we can become more accepting of ourselves by being more aware of ourselves. We create a more sense, like we create a deeper sense of freedom from within and empowerment when we 
yeah, can choose more wisely. Yeah, there's so much. Yeah, we should probably look at wrapping it up soon. But yeah, I feel yeah, like I think so. on, but there's there's a lot of questions I want to ask as well, like about your perspective on certain things. I'll just pick one one for this one though. Um, to circle all the way back to the start, um, in you know how you were talking about, okay, for example, say you're uh having a lo long distance relationship with someone, mm -hmm. uh, and you want to know uh you know what like what they're doing sexually like basically you want to know uh if they're seeing other people and in mm -hmm. what capacity they are mm -hmm. whereas that like you said earlier they don't want to know right mm -hmm. and so therefore they don't also don't want to share so what what would you recommend people do in that like it's like a stalemate right because yeah you know you you want to know but then they don't want to share so it's like, what is the third this option? Is... What is the compromise, so to speak? Like, because that's the thing. Sometimes, you know, because we talk about having open communication and sharing, but what if, it's what if the a... values are at complete odds? I think it's incompatible because that is like, I've been there. I've tested and trialed it. That's been my experience. You have to, I think it's so subjective and so personal. For me, I value communication so it's such a high value of mine that I'm not willing to compromise on that. Mm. I'm not willing to compromise on um, my own well-being and abandon myself in that situation. And so if I can't be met in that, there's an incompatibility. But that's yeah. for me. Some people have a value for connection and prefer to stay connected in their relationship rather than I don't know what the value would be that would override that particular value but like it might just be that they don't really value communication that much it would be nice to know but like I don't really care too much mm. to know so it, it is a very personal thing and um I would actually go into it like if it was present for me now I'd be like well why don't you want to know what what's that about what are you avoiding what are you bypassing mm. why aren't you leaning into the trigger what can we learn from each other is this going to create more trust within us if we do lean into this trigger is this going to create more like growth and empowerment and trust like I mentioned or connection and to be honest with you, it kind of goes against everything I teach because what I teach is intimacy and intimacy is about being completely transparent, raw, open, honest in yeah. your relationship. So if you want an intimate relationship, there's that way. But if you don't, then just don't talk about it. But you're killing yourself, like you're, you're cutting yourself off from the, the states of ecstasy and euphoria that you can experience through having that deep, open connection. I yeah. believe yeah, no, yeah yeah no I found the same I feel like mm -hmm. yeah if I'm hiding things or if I'm not being completely open and honest like it feels like I'm carrying extra weight and that also like kills mm -hmm. intimacy it just kills like a lot of things so I feel like I'm not completely open and able to experience things so yeah I agree but yeah I, I authentic, yeah but yeah I am um, definitely keen to get you on uh my podcast and and unpack mm -hmm. all of the things yeah, so, yeah we can probably do more of that on uh yeah yeah online so I really appreciate you coming on here and spending the whole afternoon chatting with me and we're on five hours now nearly five hours really <laughs> we've yeah. been so we in a portal two, we started at 2 30 it's it's 7 16 now 7 15 what the hell so nearly, yeah nearly five hours of straight 
chaps um oh so my that's god pretty impressive and we st- i'm sure we could go for yeah so there's so much we this yeah. you know what we've done we've just been like bookmark 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 all yeah. these little things that we're like yeah we have a lot to talk about but yeah, yeah. Um, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast for the second time. And it's been such an incredible afternoon getting to know you. Mm, yeah, you too. And yeah, thank you for yeah making it so fun and playful and uh, yeah. letting your uh, <laughs> eccentric, uh, you know, billionaire archetype out <laughs> for the intro. And um, yeah, yeah. Thanks. It's a crone version <laughs> of Samantha Jones from Sex in the City. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love it. All right, guys, I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for joining us.